I've spent a lot of time thinking about what we're going to study from the pulpit for the rest of the year, and I use that language because uh, we only have nine Sundays left, including today in the year, and that's kind of hard to believe, and as for me, I count for other reasons, and if I'm correct, I'm 11 Sundays away from being married, so that's also, you know, pretty close in our timeline, and uh, not only does my fiance text me the days, she has a countdown app, but so does my mother. Uh, I guess they have the countdown apps for different reasons. But when I've been looking at all this kind of stuff and thinking about what I wanted us to study and where we were going to go, I started thinking about what these last couple months are like. I mean, usually, right, we are actually in like the most holiday-packed time of the year. Right? We just had Halloween. Then in a couple weeks, we have Thanksgiving. Uh, before that, I celebrate another holiday called Abby's birthday. And then we have Christmas and New Year's. And so we're just packed back and forth, all these things. And so when you think about the holidays and what we normally do is go see people, see family, and then you compound that with the pandemic and work and social distancing and all this stuff, you start to wonder and question about our focus and where is it going to be? You know, are we going to be thinking about, I got to get that Black Friday sale or you know, thankfully Amazon has stuff and one you can go do your Christmas shopping online. I still have to do that kind of stuff and whatnot. But when thinking about all this, it just comes back to me, and I think we would really benefit from a study of looking where we are placing our focus and studying on that. And so we're going to take the last time in 2020 to set our focus right before we enter into 2021, and hopefully by then we'll have a, a nice plan and a layout for us and how we're going to study God's word from the pulpit and in our Bible classes in the next year. But I think we need to be prepared in that, not only just for now in the time that we live in, but for all of our lives, that we need to make sure we have a right focus. And we're going to study specific people throughout the Old New Testament and what they can show us, but also the advice that's been given. And the goal to take this is for us to, first of all, be able to know where we are ourselves, where is our focus, but then also where we should place our focus. But then lastly, how we are to do so, right? There's a difference between, you know, understanding what you're to do and being able to implement that. Right? You can be, well, yeah, I know I'm supposed to drive the car, but if I've never driven a car before, how am I supposed to do it? So we need to look through this, and together I hope that we can build a nice wealth of Scripture, as we have already spent the time in this past month looking at Scripture, why we need to be encouraged and hopeful in this time. And the Proverbs writer here does just that when we're looking in Scripture. He talks of the focus that one has to have, and all throughout Proverbs, he writes on that. But here, in chapter 4, starting in verse 25, we're going to look at how where we look is like the start for everything. I know, right, we have our five senses, but the majority of the ones that we use, right, are our sight and our hearing. But in order for us to live or us to go around, we first look, right? We look where we're going, and then we can walk, we can move, and then finally, we're going to be able to live our lives for God. And that's what we're going to look at today and see how we can give us a good, firm basis for how we're going to go forward in our time studying on the focus that we need to have in God. So we're going to start in verse 25 of Proverbs 4. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. So we start with the sight that the proverb writer is talking about. Like we said, again, this is a lot of what we, we do. 
right? Either we hear or we look. It's a basic part of who we are as humans. And here for the writer in Proverbs, we're starting to address the question that I've asked on the slide here was, where are we looking? And for the Proverbs writer, it's about looking forward. And we're going to explain more as we get later into the study as to why that means what it means. But just here in the verse itself, talking about looking forward, we can understand and unpack that some, right? As humans, where are our eyes, right? They're on the, the front of our head, right? They're not on the sides of our head like some animals, right? We look forward because that's how we, we are made. But also, right, you don't walk one way and look the other unless you're, like, really distracted, right? Usually that ends up you running into something. When we walk, we look forward. When we go downstairs or upstairs, you know, we're looking, right, to make sure we put our foot in the right spot, to make sure things are going on that we're supposed to, right? It just doesn't make sense to look one way and walk the absolute other. But when we think about looking, whether it's forward or backwards, oftentimes we use that language to talk about, right, the future and the past. And you can look at the past. Maybe you're remembering happy memories, times with loved ones, or times you don't have to social distance. And a lot of times, though, I feel if we're dwelling on the past, it's usually for negative reasons, whether it's because of the mistakes that we made, we're thinking about those things that are going on, or we're thinking about what people have done to us, how people have wronged us. And that can't, that's not good for us, right? We need to be looking forward to the future. We have this, this phrase that's sometimes used called forward thinking, and it's defined by some as preparing to not only avoid pitfalls and failure, but also to achieve growth and success. And I think that's such a good idea, and it encompasses what we are to do as Christians. Not only are we to you know, strive to avoid sin, but we're looking to grow as people in faith. And that's it's part of what we're doing, and to do that, we can't dwell on the past. We need to look forward. As we go through this study, we'll be talking about the idea of walking, and this is due to it being so closely tied in Scripture to living, as it is in Proverbs. But I feel, you know, when we talk about, oh, like, I need to do this to help my Christian walk, it almost seems to me at times that we're tending to put this in a little box, or like some people call it compartmentalize, that you think about my life, and then part of my life is my Christian walk. But that's not at all how it should be. Our Christian walk is not part of our lives. The Christian walk is life itself. They're one and the same. Living and being a Christian are two words for the same thing. It's not like, oh, here's my life and I'm a Christian, or I'm a Christian and here's my life. They're together. They're one. Because that's what the true follower of God does. Life and following him are one and the same. And that is why the idea in Scripture is so closely related to walking, right? Living and walking. They're one and the same and they're used so much. What, what did they do in Jesus' time in the Old Testament? Right, they didn't have cars. They didn't have trains. Yeah, they had camels and some, some chariots and maybe a boat. But the main means of transportation, right, is you're going to walk. That's how you live. That's how you get from place to place. It was so used for them that it made so much sense. But so often I think we can tend to try to put it in its place and not give how we're supposed to live the way it should. So as we strive to look forward and look in general, there's this word that we like to use a lot called distractions. 
You know, and it's interesting because so many people are paid millions of dollars, right, to grab your attention, whether it be on the radio, on the TV, for massive billboards, or even some people that put advertisements on their cars while you're driving, right? It's all set to try to distract you to gain your attention for at least a little bit as the hopes that maybe you'll buy their product or you'll click on their website and somehow they'll make money off of you. But when we think about distractions, right, say the TV in the back, if it fell and made a loud thud, I would say almost all of us, if not all of us, would look and be like, what just happened? Because it would probably sound like it was bad, right? You hear like a massive smashing sound. That can't be good. So we look. And it's interesting how we look away at things, how we are distracted at times. But distractions are annoying for everyone, not just those of us that struggle with distractions inherently. Because you know, my car insurance company, they informed me that touching my phone while I drive is a distraction. And so I have an app on my phone that lets them know while I'm driving if I'm messing with my phone. Because you know, if it just takes a second to take your attention off the road, if something bad could happen. And so I do this, you know, hopefully to get a discount. But you know, they, they tell me, they're like, you, know, you, you don't need to be on the phone. The only thing you should be doing on your, on your phone is using it as a, a guidance device, you know, GPS. That's the only thing you need to be doing. And why? Well, it's because it's dangerous, right? They want you to be safe. First of all, they're insuring you. But in general, like, we want to be safe. We don't want to do things that are dangerous and such distractions are. I just wonder you know, about CDs. It, it's, it's hard to put them in and not get distracted. But yet, when we think about all these things that are dangerous in life, and specifically driving, but all elsewhere, the same goes for being a Christian, spiritual lives. Right? There are so many distractions in life that can draw us away from God, whether it be certain events or different individuals that are poor influences on us. And they can draw us away, and they can be fatal to our souls. And we need to look out for that. But there's also other kinds of distractions. You know, maybe you're stressed or you're upset, and it's just nice to, you know, get distracted for a little bit from that and look away. And that's good emotionally, and we need that at times. But there's also points in people's lives where they choose not to address the problems in their life. They choose to forego thinking much more about reality and just try to be distracted and escape away in their fantasy land. We can do the same thing, and people so often do the same thing spiritually. They get busy with work, they get busy with all these different things in life and the distractions that they have, so they don't have to think about fundamental questions of like, you know, why am I here? Is there really a God? And if there is a God, what's going to happen when I die? Well, these are lots of questions that people oftentimes try to avoid because they don't want to spend the time answering, so they distract themselves. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. Satan wants us to be distracted from our spiritual lives. He doesn't want us thinking about where we're going to go, who we're serving, but instead he wants us to just be focused on having fun you know, and doing those things. And so as people of faith, we have to work on not letting ourselves get distracted as we live and try to look forward towards God. Even if it seems harmless at times, we need to keep our focus on him. But then we get to this point where right, the writer gives some emphasis in the language here. And it's beautiful because right, we emphasize things. We repeat things so we remember them, so we understand them. You know? And so the Proverbs writer 
doesn't say not only your eyes, but your gaze or your eyelids. He's like making it very intently and purposeful. You need to look before you. Don't look behind you. Don't look around you, as we'll talk about later in the next couple of verses. But you got to look forward towards God. But why? Because this is your personal relationship that you're dealing with, right? It's your eyes, it's your gaze, and what you're doing. And we need to understand that, right? We need to have a personal relationship with God. It's about us and what we're doing. It doesn't involve other people. It's where it starts, is with us and him. All throughout my time in school, it became pretty clear to me that there's two types of students. The people who are genuinely trying to learn, the people who just want to pass by. And currently, Abby's in a class called Foundations of Faith, and this is a class that is required at Fried Hardeman. And it's a class that is called a Christian Evidences class, which is really where you go through the evidence and the claims for the existence of God, for the Bible, and for Jesus being the Son of God. You go through all of that in 16 weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. But the point of the class and the paper that she has at the end of the class that she's been working on that her and I have been talking some about is why do I believe what I believe? And so when you look in a school setting, you see a student who just wants to get by and do whatever. When they get to the point, when they have to answer this question, why do I believe what I believe, do you really think they're going to have much of a genuine answer? When the person who spent the time to learn and to make sure they knew what was going on, they're going to be able to understand that more genuinely. And when we think about being a Christian in our lives, there's a difference, right? Because in school, the person who doesn't really pay attention, the person who does, they could have the same answers on a multiple choice test. They could have the same grade. That's whatever. But when it comes down to the knowing it and being intimately involved in the knowledge of learning, there's a difference. See, the same thing is for us as Christians when we're in life. See, someone can come to the pew. They can come to activities. They can come to Bible class. They can put on a show, as we talked about. People can think they are faithful. But the difference comes if you have an intimate relationship with God, knowing why you believe what you believe. Why are you doing this? Why are you here? Understanding your purpose. And that doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't just like, oh, I know. It takes time. It takes work and understanding. But it's where you start with God. In order to start your focus, in order to be able to see properly, you have to have a personal relationship with God and understand where you need to be going. Because if you're not living for God, then you're living for self. And that's pretty clear where you're going. It's whatever you feel like. But ultimately, the choice is each of ours. It just ends on what we are wanting to do in life. Do we want to serve God? Do we want to live for him? Or not? And where are we putting our focus? Where are we looking? Are we looking at the things of this life or the things that are above? But continuing on in verse 26, make level the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. We get to what I'm kind of calling moving, right? So we're talking, we're trying to get to the point where we can walk, where we can be going forward. And the first part is looking, right? When, we got to look where we're going. And the next part is starting to move. And in that, I think about this question of, do you know where you're going? And this question is so broad, so big. And in many times, it probably involves as different aspects of your life. 
My parents came and visited, and we were going somewhere, and my mom asked me, do you know where we're going? It can come in so many different forms, understanding where you're traveling. For me, in college, it was so many people asking me, do you know where you're going to live or where you're going to work? And I was like, not really, but I really don't want to uh, live and work in Ohio, Michigan, or West Virginia, because that's where I grew up in my life. I spent the majority of my childhood in those states. I guess I didn't get too far from West Virginia and Ohio, technically, in Kentucky, but we ask this in so many different ways. Maybe it's to someone in your family, and you're asking them, you know, where are we going for food? If you're asking yourself that, please let me know too today after services. But this question, it's, it's so broad, but then it's also so deep, and that's what I love about it, because when I say, do you know where you're going, my bet is that all of you, or most of you, thought about, you know, as we get to it, you know, if you ask about where you're going, if you're in church, ultimately you're going to get to the point of talking about after you die. Like that's, almost, that's usually what you think of. And it's not a bad thing to think about it when you hear that question. Because it means you're thinking about things that are past this life, and that's good. But so often, I think this question is kind of daunting for us. It scares us at times. It gives us anxiety. It makes us worried. But when we think about living life and where we're going, what kind of goal do we have in mind? For the Christian, when we think about this, right, the eternity that we spend, where, where we go after Judgment Day, is all based on what we have done in this life, where we have placed our focus in our life. And if we haven't focused on God, we're not going to be going towards Him. We need to know where we're moving, because we're always moving in one direction, and it's not like the whole, you know, okay, yeah, the earth is rotating, so technically we're moving. As time goes on, we're moving closer and closer to the time where we will be in judgment day. The question is, are you living a life that you know is going towards God? Or are you going away from him? Because while the questions can seem hard at times and can seem scary, God offers assurance, right? We have the song, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. This assurance that we have of the unknown, yeah, we don't really know what happens what it feels like, we don't know that, but God gives us assurance and he gives us peace in this life, knowing that we don't have to worry about it, that we can see what's going on before us, we can look towards God, and we can have the confidence, as we've studied in the past month, to step forward and to, to go towards him, knowing that he is the only one that has the true answers and the ones that can have us have this peace and assurance in life. But as we walk, and the proverb writer says, you know, make your level path. And this is, a, this is a metaphor, a symbolism for living the righteous life, right? And right, we understand you don't want to step on something that's not flat, right? If, if you step in a hole, you might hurt yourself. I've done it plenty of times. We want to make sure where we're walking is as level as possible to ensure that we do not stumble. And whether you grew up in the church, and if you sow, Maybe stumbling blocks were put in your life as you got older, or if you did not grow up in the church and you came in with some, maybe you'd call baggage, or things that you had to clear out of your life. Whatever it may be for the person, the question remains, what stumbling blocks are in your life? And by this, I'm talking about the people or matters that either are going to affect you in the future or are currently affecting you now. 
Things that maybe it's a friend that you've had since high school. And they're good friends, but they're not a good influence on you. Or it's certain situations that maybe you're invited to that you know it's not good, but you're like, well, they're good friends of a family. If there's anything in your life that is stopping you from growing, that is turning you away from God, those things need to be cut out and put away. If they're not a good influence for you, why would they ever be a good influence for anyone else that you know? We need to be asking ourselves as we prepare to focus, are we letting things get in our way? Are we letting there be distractions, stumbling blocks in our path that are going to trip us up? Because we need to do the best that we can to clear that clutter out, to give us as much of an advantage as possible. But why is that? We want to give us the self the advantage in the fight, and you're like, well, yeah, yes, God is on our side. Yes, Jesus has conquered death and sin. And yes, if God is for us, nothing can be against us. But while our greatest enemy is Satan, right up next to him is ourselves. And if we don't do the work, if we don't put the time in to give ourselves as much as possible, we are going to stand in our, our own way of succeeding. Last week we talked about Jesus in Matthew 4. And even though he was in a horrible situation, he was able to have a good foundation in God himself to endure the temptations that were there. How are we going to expect ourselves to resist temptations if we're just letting everything that can distract us from God be there in our lives? We have to get rid of those things and give ourselves a chance. God has done all the work. He has won the war, but we have to give ourselves enough of the advantage to not be naive and to think that well, yeah, it'll be fine. Like, we'll get through it. I'm, I need to be around them. I need to be a good example. If they're going to pull you down, at least for a time being, you have to distance yourself from them. When you get to be stronger, when you have your brothers and sisters around you to help you, there'll be a time and a place to reach out to them, to show them God's love and his mercy and his teachings. But we are trying to better our focus on God and make sure we are giving him our all in our lives. He is the one who wants attention for us. He wants us, the one who made the world, who loves us so much. He wants you, he wants me. He sent his son to suffer just so we could be with him. And we don't have words to adequately describe how great and how awesome he is, but he wants us in heaven one day. And so the choice is, are you wanting to move towards him? Are you wanting to move towards the one that wants you with him, that loves you so much? Or the one that wants to stop you from going there? But lastly, in verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And now is the point where we get to talk about walking. So we've gone up to the point where we talked about all this preparation, right? We have to look, we have to move, and then we walk. We take that step forward in life and continue on. And while we talk about all this preparation that must be done to adequately walk, whether it be those who have never walked or are just starting living for God, or those of us that are continuing our daily walk for God, we get here an explanation as to why we are to look forward, right? Because looking any other way is going to hurt us. Looking forward 
is living in righteousness. Looking forward is looking to God. And we need to look to Him. And I mentioned that looking one way and walking the other doesn't make any sense. Right? Ultimately, you are going to walk the direction that you want to go. If you want to live a life of this world, you're going to go that way because you want to. But for the person who is contemplating faith in God, who is questioning what is going on, the choice is either to serve him or to serve self. But what is so often lost is that this is all for our benefit, right? What the work that is needed is to help us, right? We're trying not to get distracted. We're trying to make sure our focus stays on God and not of things of this world, not of things that don't really matter. Because we're looking for true success. And true success is living our lives and going to heaven. But we have to avoid the wiles of the devil, his tricks and his temptations. And to do that takes effort. So often people are trying to find the easy way out, as we talked about with the people that just want to get by in life, get by in school, get by in Christianity. But the problem is there is no easy way to live for God. And that is insulting to try to think that people can do so. Like, oh, I just want the, the easiest thing possible. Do, okay, I only have to go to church two times a year? No. God, that's not how living for God works. We must put in the effort to prepare our walk to live for him because the effort was already put in for us. As we said, God gave his son. Jesus died on the cross, conquered sin and death itself. All of that pain and all of that effort put in and some people think they can just take the easy way out. There's work that's needed to help us focus. Trust me, as, as someone who at times struggles with focusing. And we all know it takes effort to continue to keep going, to continue to focus on a singular thing. And at times, yes, we're going to make mistakes, but that's why work is needed. That's why we have to have a real effort into focusing on God. But the next part is that we need to follow him. And you might say, follow what? Well, follow the way that has been set before us. As Jesus said, he is the way. The way that's been set from God's word in him, and he's the only way to God. And we have such great lessons all throughout scripture of people who are just like us, who are imperfect, who lose their focus at times, but ultimately they serve God. And that is such an encouragement to see those kind of people and how they follow him. But from Genesis to Revelation, we see the overarching message that we need to follow, we need to serve the one who is, the one who was, who was and the one who is to come, the great I am and God Almighty. But how are we to follow him? Well, we gotta, we got to look, right? We need to see where he is, and we need to move, and we need to walk towards him and follow him and do our best to stay upright. That is, looking forward, not looking to the left, not getting distracted, not stumbling, but focusing on him and moving forward and not letting what is in the past determine who we're going to be. And as we are going through that journey, as we get to the end of life, we run into the arms of the Father who embraces his prodigal children. Those who were once 
dead, but are now alive. But we must pick up our cross and follow him. It won't be easy. We're not promised that. What we are promised is one who will shoulder our burdens, who will be there for us because he has told us he will. Because he has bore the weight of our sins and he has helped us have an opportunity to be with God in heaven one day. But that is why God designed humans the way we are. He designed the family structure the way it is and the church the way it is. To have people to encourage us to be there for us and to help us as we go. That we can all follow him together and help keep our focus. But lastly, we need to leave behind evil. And you might say, well, out of everything we've talked about, leaving behind evil seems pretty straightforward. It's like, yeah, you leave it behind. That makes sense. We're trying to go towards God. Why would you do that? But as we've talked about the distractions and the roadblocks that we have, so often when we get confronted with temptations with sin and life and the evil, we, for some reason, try to walk through it. We try to get through it. We try to deal with it ourselves. And we forget that someone has already dealt with that. Christ has already came and conquered death and sin and evil. And why would we ever even want to go near the things that are a complete opposite to God? Right? Sin is evil. And it is what God is not at all. We have no business going anywhere near it. We don't need to think, oh, maybe I can go over it. No, just as the Proverbs writer says, turn your foot away from evil. Christ has conquered it so we can do all things through him who strengthens us. So we, as we let our sins and our mistakes be behind us in the past, let's leave the temptations and leave the evil that is in the world that comes in all forms. So much of what the Proverbs writer writes in Proverbs are these warnings, these advice and saying, hey, listen, you, there's so much around you that you need to be careful of. People that are out for blood, people that are trying to trip you up and make you sin, so much more. Just avoid it. Go away from it. You don't need to be around it because it's just going to spell disaster for you. Because ultimately, if we don't leave it behind, we're going to get distracted. And so, as we start our study and focusing on God more and how we are to do so, I end with where I started with this question of where are you thinking? Because only you know the answer to this question. It's a personal question. Where are you looking in life now? Are you looking just for the things on this world? Just for things in this life? Or are you looking towards God and towards a life with Him in heaven? But we have an opportunity for those that have either, whether want to start looking towards God, who want to start serving Him and living for Him, or even those that have faltered, whether they have fallen or they've gone astray or looked, and their attention hasn't been on Him like it should. That opportunity is always open for those for questions, for those that need prayers or encouragement. But whatever you need, please come now as we stand.